This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Where this weekend only, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, you'll get 20% off their superior burger patties. They have a lot of different varieties there. And I would say, if you're listening to this and it's not this weekend at the end of July, uh, even without the 20% off, those burger patties are awesome. Their meat, Zupan's meat department is second to none. So uh, it's the middle of summer. Great opportunity to do that. And of course, you can get everything that goes with a great burger in the produce department and great buns as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking over just the variety of different uh, burger patties that you can get. They've got the signature one, which you can get all, all year round, which includes fresh ground brisket, short rib, and chuck. But I'm looking at like a bacon and blue cheese, a jalapeno cheddar, and great time right now, Chris, for me to talk about, and time is running out on this, the sausage of the month, which is a uh, bacon cheeseburger sausage. I've had this multiple times this month. And if you do the fixings, like it's actually a cheeseburger with like lettuce, tomato, et cetera, et cetera, it tastes like you're eating a, a bacon cheeseburger. It's delicious. But it's a little different form. It's nice. You got a little pop there too. So, sure. Oh yeah. Um, but if you like that in a roll, Let's not forget lobster roll Fridays. So if you're hearing this on Friday or make a note on your calendar for next Friday, go get one of the signature lobster rolls at Zupan's. Nothing like that. And there aren't a lot of lobster rolls to be had in Portland, Oregon. That's exactly right. And Chris, we should also mention before we wrap things up here, uh, you met, you've mentioned this before, Zupans is hiring. So if you're looking for a career change, if you're on the hunt right now, maybe Zupan's markets might be a great place for you to start looking. All sorts of opportunities in the front, in the back of the house as well, because they do, as you know, they do a lot of prepared food. So they've got a real kitchen with chef and all that. So uh, check out Zupans. Go to Zupans.com or stop by one of the markets. Where are they, Court? You can start with that. Well, we got McAdam, West Burnside, Lake Oswego. Those are the three. Right. But there's also Zupans.com. So snoop around there and get on the news feed to get... A little bit of the information that we just imparted and a lot more on the Zupans news feed at Zupans.com. All right, here it is. Time once again. It's Portland's Food Scene Podcast. It is right at the fork with your host, Chris Angeles, Portland Food Adventures, and I'm co-host, Court Johnson, uh, sweltering in the heat, Chris. <laughs> You're out on the uh, coast. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. I'm at, it's, yesterday, I was actually cold oh. when I went to the beach. The breeze was a little heavy, and uh, it was probably 61 degrees with a chilly coastal breeze. And I just thought of all of you back there sweltering and how you wish you could have been just a little bit chilly. Yeah, it's it's been interesting because, you know, typically they say, well, you know, it's a dry heat. Not not today. And we're actually recording this on a day of release on Friday. Uh, it's it's not only hot, but it's a little bit muggy out there, which I am not a fan of. Yeah, I have to admit, I love my plate and pitchfork dinners every summer, and they haven't had one through the pandemic, and they're doing one this year with Katie from Coquine and Anne from Helioterra Wines, and I bought these tickets a few weeks ago for this, and it's tomorrow. In the sweltering heat, uh, unfortunately, we have we decided that 65 degrees on the deck here without a four-hour round trip 
is probably what we want to do rather than go to this thing that I'm really going to miss. The talk about fear of missing out, I'm really bummed out, but it's just, I can't sit in the sweltering heat outside at the the hottest part of the day and for three hours and do anything. No, so. it's tough as a, as a, uh, a pasty white redheaded gentleman. Well, I'm calling yeah. myself a gentleman. I, I mean, I, I have to pick and choose what I do things. I'm, I'm the guy who goes to the beach with long sleeves and, and never takes his shirt off. So, um, did you ever see the, uh, Kirby enthusiasm episode with Larry at the beach? Uh, I probably have. It's, it's a big, <laughs> big mash in my hip, in my brain now. But, right, uh, but it's so it's great. He's that guy too with yeah. the sunblock all over, and he just doesn't understand what the attraction of the beach is. So, right, um, that's not necessarily me, but I love the Oregon beaches where you walk, and I wear long sleeves uh, to protect myself from the sun. Um, but no, I'm not one who can sit out in the hot sand with an with or without an umbrella and a towel and a book. Yeah, that's not what I like to do. So anyway. Uh, cool off. These summers are not what they used to be. We're getting used to them here in Oregon. And it's one of the reasons I'm glad nine years ago I, I kind of escaped to the coast is if I'm not watching Facebook or talking to you on the podcast, I may not know how crazy hot it is. But I'm going to know today I'm buzzing in and I'm going to make a stop at Zupan's on the way too. So very nice. that's, that's part of the reason for me going in is to bring some nice food out for uh, my girlfriend and my son for the weekend. Very nice. But more importantly, we have a podcast guest and a great one. So I'm talking about what's coming up this weekend. Last weekend, or, or a little before last weekend, I had occasion. We do a trip, or have done, I'm not sure yet, with... Um, Canyon Outfitters on the Snake River every year, uh, or for the last couple of years, uh, with both Ringside Steakhouse, and that one's coming up in a few weeks with Jonathan Gill, chef there. I can't wait to do that. Um, and some great friends are coming on the trip. But we also just completed one with Flying Fish over on Burnside with Leaf Gilder's Leaf, and our guest on today's podcast, Eric Englund, who is the chef at Flying Fish, who Leaf, who accompanies Leaf and all of us uh, on the river and makes some incredible food out of the fish they bring with them and some fish we catch on the Snake River. So uh, we had occasion to hang out and uh, had some fun conversations and tried to not necessarily replicate those, but bring that fun banter to everybody who listens to this podcast um, with a nice interview that we just finished uh, 10 minutes ago. We're releasing this late, which I mentioned on the podcast uh, on a Friday and appreciate everybody's going with us. It's summertime and it's hard to get some people. It's You know, I find it harder, Court, to we talked about this to schedule guests and make commitments when we're doing it remotely on people's computers from their home than it was when we were in a studio and we had to get people into a studio. That was easier for some reason. Yeah, I don't no, understand it. it it's, I, I think just people become so relaxed in their normal environments that they become almost, I don't want to say put off. It, and maybe I should be careful how I phrase all of this because we've had some great, graphs, great guests make themselves available to be on the show. But I, I do this all the time too, where the more I work from home, the less I want to work. It's just like, man, I'd have to, I have to do that. Yeah, well, you know what I mean? Hey, I've been doing it for 25 years, yeah. man. Where am I? Yeah. Over 27. Yeah. So, 
I recall when I first started working at home thinking, oh my God, I just did the laundry for 10 minutes. How terrible of me not to work for that 10 minutes. And uh, I don't, I won't even get to where I am now with my discipline and work ethic working from my home. (laughs) But, um, but I get it done and we get this podcast done. We've been getting this podcast done for eight or going on nine years, completing nine years. So it happens. And, uh, I now am at the point, if anybody listening to this podcast knows that I was bitching a little bit in the beginning when I could, we couldn't come in the studio, I love doing it, except for the occasional technical error problems that I encounter, sure. which are you know going to happen. But uh, I love doing it from home now. It's just a matter of getting the guests there. And I think part of it is also, holy shit, I got to get a guest for next week. So... Um, that happens. But you've been assisting in that regard lately, so I thank you. Some of go back and listen to the archives. You've been doing some great interviews. Yeah, a couple lately. here and there. Yeah, relieving me of the uh, seat, and that's been nice, and it's always great to know that it's getting done. But I still enjoy it, and I really enjoyed this interview with Eric. We start with his days in Michigan as a kid in orchards and with ranch dressing, and we move on through his dream to come to Oregon, or wasn't he very long thought of dream. It was something, you know, he had a friend who said, you'd love this place. He did it, came out here, worked at Gruner, and uh, then made his way to Bamboo Sushi for seven years, and now at Flying Fish, which is one of my favorite spots in Portland when I get to Portland um, to go out and eat at Flying Fish and and partake in their fish market to bring some awesome product home with me to eat, ready-made or prepare it myself. Flying Fish is awesome. Eric does an incredible job of turning that delicious product that they have into um, or or the the excellent product into delicious dishes at Flying Fish. And so we talk about that. Really cool guy. Leaf and Eric provide an, a wonderful atmosphere in which to work at Flying Fish. And I think that permeates right down to the cust- right out to the customer experience um, that you uh, that that is that is Flying Fish. So. Um, really fun to talk to Eric. Uh, I think this is one uh, podcast where you really get to know our chef uh, a little better. So uh, if not a lot, more so than you would by just shaking hands with him and meeting and eating his food. So this is Eric England of Flying Fish and uh, appreciate your um you're everybody listening. And of course, Court, what should everybody do? We always uh, appreciate if you would uh, like, subscribe, maybe even share the podcast. We're down with for all of it. And even better, go to Flying Fish and tell Leaf and Eric you heard them on the podcast. There we go. Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to local baked goods, fresh flowers, and an extensive craft beer selection. Step into Zupans and be inspired for your next meal. Food-loving customers as well as local chefs know that Zupans is the place to find the very best Northwest bounty in Portland, West Burnside, McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Local and family-owned for over 40 years. Zupans Markets. Ringside Steakhouse. For over 78 years now, Ringside has 
been providing the best in steaks and has been the home for the beacon of great hospitality in Portland. Now featuring dining in their updated dining room and al fresco in one of the nicest outdoor dining spaces in the city. Make a reservation today at ringsidesteakhouse.com and while you're there, sign up for their mailing list to be the first to find out about the exciting specials and events going on at Portland's beloved Hallmark restaurant, Ringside Steakhouse. And by Portland Food Adventures, featuring the best chef-centric experiences in Portland since 2010. Go to portlandfoodadventures.com to see about the exciting trips our host Chris Angeles leads to places you have dreamed of going, like Western Sicily this September. It's time to stretch your international wings and expand your culinary horizons. Let Portland Food Adventures do all the planning to the best dining and culture all over Europe and elsewhere with Portlanders you'll get to know and enjoy. portlandfoodadventures.com Eric England, come in from the heat. You're in the heat. I'm not. Yes, I'm. I'm uh, blessed to be in air conditioning right now, though. Yes. Well, how is it in the kitchen at Flying Fish these last few days? Oh, it's been really hot. Um, you know, it, it's probably about on the line. The ambient te- air temperature is about 105, uh, which is 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 pretty hot. Um, you know, <laughs> we give everyone enough water and and breaks in the walk-in to to kind of keep them uh, satisfied. But yeah, I mean, that's it's uh it's a it's its own beast. It's kind of special about our industry. Yeah. Well, a few years ago, we didn't have to deal with that. It wasn't as hot. I remember when the days where it got up in the 90s, and I've only been here for 17 years, but that was that was considered hot. Now, in the 90s, is just part of the course in the summer. Yeah, that's just August. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, and where you came from, and the good thing is where you came from in Michigan, and we'll touch on that, you had some pretty heavy humidity going on there, which yeah. you don't have here. So, it's a little different. Yeah, yeah, we, uh, you know, I, I grew up with with all that humidity, but without such extreme heat. And coming out here, I've been out here for this is my thirteenth summer, and uh, it, you know, for the first few years, uh, the, you know, it was it was a nice change, you know, really temperate uh, and in mild weather. Uh, you know, the rain was something I had to get used to. Um, you know, having the fall just dump buckets on us, but. Uh, uh, you know, it was it was kind of a nice change, uh, but now it's just like, you know, it feels like we live in Florida. Yeah. Well, when I can, I first discovered uh, the Oregon coast in the, and Portland in the summer of two thousand three, and July was like seventy eight degrees and not humid. I thought this is perfect, and for you also, I uh, I don't mind the rain that much because I don't have to shovel it. And uh, it's the most yeah. I have to put on here is a sweater, and it's not bone chilling cold. It got so. Where exactly in Michigan did you grow up? Because it was probably so bone chilling cold south there. Of Detroit. Oh, not yeah, that yeah, far. We were, uh, so yeah, um, but we were right on the water too, though. So uh, um, for for most of. Uh, my younger years we lived on an island called Grozeal so uh you know the the roads could turn to ice all winter long uh you know the 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 river would freeze up enough where where deer could make passage um so yeah uh pretty chilly uh the the water would freeze as the waves waves crashed against the the island and uh it looked otherworldly 
Yeah, well, that, you know, I spent a little time in Michigan. It's beautiful up there. Were you, uh, so let's talk a little bit about what in Michigan might have caused you to start being interested in food and, you know, landing where you are now in terms of a career and also geographically, too. So uh, talk a little bit about your childhood and your relationship with food as a child. Yeah, so we, we always had a really, really nice garden growing up. Uh, we, sh- we shared um, a yard with our um, neighbors that were behind us, uh, and they lived on about probably two acres. And a lot of that, we were growing vegetables you know, with them. So we had a bunch of corn, squ- like everything you can imagine, like four different fruit trees. Um, yeah, it was it was cool. Me and my my uh, neighbor, he was my best friend growing up, Nate. We would walk through the garden, and uh, he would come over with a bottle of ranch dressing, as you do in Michigan, and we would just walk through the garden and make little lettuce tacos out of all the raw vegetables. Uh, and so, yeah, at a really young age, we were you know we're concocting things and 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 trying to make things out of you know recipe books my mom and his mom had. Um, so, and I didn't think that that you know it never was a, a thought that it would end up you know being a career but uh but yeah i mean i do i mean at a very young age we were we were playing around with stuff and and trying to figure things out you know it was it was like a science experiment so educate me a little bit on ranch dressing i know about it but what is it about ranch dressing that is so popular that they're putting they put it on pizza in the midwest which is just oh yeah I don't know why why it's such a popular thing out in the Midwest, um, but you have it's like it's a it's a table condiment there. You know, it's it's not just a, a salad dressing. That's uh, for everything: tater tots, pizza, fries. <laughs> like, yeah, it's just uh, <laughs> they're obsessed. Uh, we actually, uh, and I resisted for my entire. My entire career here in, in Oregon to, to put it on, on, on a menu just because it is kind of trashy, but um, I fully embrace that uh, now, and I think that we have the best ranch in uh, in Portland. Don't tell Ranch Pizza, but uh, it's, uh, you know, I put a lot of love into it and trying to oh. make it like the one. I'm gonna fo- I'm gonna tag them because uh, why not have a little friendly competition? <laughs> right. And, and I think of all and things for you, too. for you to put in a shameless qu- uh, you know uh, comment about flying fish, for you to be leading with ranch dressing over all the excellent yeah. things you do there, <laughs> right? Is is just yeah. great. So. You know, I like it better than tartar sauce. I'm not a big tartar sauce fan. I prefer cocktail sauce on on my right. fish and chips. I'd rather dip it in cocktail sauce. But that we'll get we'll get to that later. So, um, so yeah. So in the what happened to get you to uh, decide you wanted to do this? And let's talk a little bit more about your trajectory and how you got to flying fish. Um, yeah, so so basically, um, you know, I was studying um, engineering uh, in my undergrad, and I, I just couldn't imagine uh, sitting at a cubicle all day um, doing CAD. And one of my one of my friends that uh, I grew up with, um, one of his really close friends, was going to culinary school, uh, and that just I remember just like kind of thinking about him often. And, and then, you know, it just, it finally bit me one day and I was like, you know, I think I'm going to do this. Like, it's a creative path. It has math and science. You know, there's, there's so much, so much of the things that I do love and that I'm attracted to that are, 
you know, part of part of the culinary industry and the restaurant world. Um, and, and it's just expression that you can get immediate feedback to. And that's what, you know, kind of, I was like, all right, like, let's, let's do this. So, uh, saddled up at uh, Schoolcraft in Michigan, uh, one of the best culinary schools in the country. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, I found myself in, in a couple, um, really, I got really lucky with, with some of the jobs there in Michigan too, right off the bat, because, uh, you know, there was opportunity for, for leadership and immediate growth, like right off the bat. Um, so yeah, I got, got pretty lucky, took a couple, couple big jobs at some private clubs, a private golf course, a private yacht club. Um, and then a really fun upscale Irish pub in uh, Corktown in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that kind of putzed around there until I finally decided to move out to Oregon. Well, so did, were you in any difficult kitchens, like the, the type that are now taboo, that no one wants oh, to be 100%. in anymore in, the, in those days? I mean, I would say, like, almost all of them in my career were actually like that <laughs> uh, up until the last few years. Um, and I've always, you know, looked down on that. Like, it's just, there's no reason to be throwing plates at people and, and, and just the mental and physical um abuse that that goes on it was so commonplace um you know i wouldn't take any of where i've been for granted and i wouldn't change a thing because it pushed me really hard but there's something you know a lot of people don't want to be pushed like that especially nowadays and so um where i lead from is is a is a place of love and you know i'd rather people be really upset with themselves if they make some sort of you know catastrophic catastrophic mistake um and and look at me like like a disappointed you know leader or or you know i wouldn't say father figure but um you know i'd rather it's like don't don't disappoint the ones you love you know you you want to uh you want to show them your best. And I, I think that if they see sadness in, in my face because of something that is, is going wrong, they're more apt to, to correct it and, and do better next time rather than resenting me for screaming down their throat. Uh, you know, so I'm, Besides, I'm that's that. not a fun. That's not a fun thing for you to do every day. Wake up and go to no. work and scream and yell. That's not fun. It's a really weird use of energy. Yeah. <laughs> well, but, but I would also say, listen, I'm not an expert in anything in the kitchen and psychology for sure, but I would imagine a lot of our great restaurants were born from, you know, that experience of being almost humiliated into doing a great job. And right. I wonder, I just wonder how different things might be right now. I'm not advocating for that, but how different right. things might be if everybody was coddled and they got a trophy for coming to work because right. now people don't even show up for job interviews when they commit to them. So there's a little bit of that, I think, because maybe they they think they're not going to get admonished or get a black ball for not showing up for an interview. Um, right. I don't know, but I, you know, I'm not advocating for that, but you know, it probably made you a little tougher and it gave you something to contrast the way you wanted to be a leader versus what you saw. So right. you were able to say, I'm not going to do it that way. I think so. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's my take about on being it. Forged in the fire though, you know, uh, <laughs> and, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't take it back. Uh, 
You it's know, like but boot I did camp. Some wild stuff happen to people. Exactly. Yeah, you got to break them down and rebuild. <laughs> so, what kind of wild stuff do? What's do you have a wild story of something that you witnessed or or experienced uh, at the hands of uh, of a chef or anybody in the restaurant that you might recall? I'm putting you on the spot here, so you may not recall yeah. something. But <laughs> oh no, there's <laughs> much too much of that <laughs> right on the top of the head. Um, you know, I, I worked with um, this one, and I won't name any names at all. But uh, uh, one of one of the best cooks I've ever worked besides um, in my career. He was just so technical, and and uh, he really did put all the love and care into everything he did. Um, but he he would make you know some as some would call bonehead mistakes every now and then. And uh, one of the leaders I was working for. Um, took he, he was upset with something he did took a stock of celery and beat him over the head with it until it went completely limp while screaming at him a bunch of obscenities uh, so that was part that of was, the recipe he needed limp celery and that's the <laughs> yeah, way to, right. to get there <laughs> it, it took a minute uh, and, and you know I remember just feeling so embarrassed for for the person that was doing that you know it's like what are you doing yeah. like this is crazy um, but uh yeah, and, and he, even the guy that he looked at me like, well, what do I do? And I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, this is this is beyond <laughs> any of us. Like, this shouldn't be happening, truly. But it was. Wow. I, uh, you know, I worked in one kitchen in my life, and I would imagine this would be called abuse right now. Um, I worked in the salad. Uh, I did the salad bar when I was 16 years old, and the, the guy who was my supervisor would admonish me for stuff that I did wrong, but he said, uh, you'll know if you're doing a good job. When I call you a salad man, everything's okay, but uh, if you might notice, I've been calling you salad boy. And uh, I think nowadays that would be that would be viewed as abuse, but I could take that. That was right. that was easy enough. Did you ever graduate? <laughs> uh, no, I, that was my last restaurant job, so I did not graduate. <laughs> but I did get called a salad man once in a while. I mean, shit, that was back. I don't even want to tell you how long ago that was. That was the seventies. So late, it was. Uh, well, no, I was the. I've probably told this on this podcast somewhere along the way over the last eight years. But I actually had the experience of sitting in a Volkswagen van with the chef, smoking a joint, listening to President Nixon resign. How about wow. that? Wow. So yeah, that <laughs> was pretty rad. That was where I was when that happened, and I will never forget it, and it was pretty cool. I wish I remembered that guy's name, but it doesn't matter. Anyway, back to you, <laughs> and he never hit me. Since I was the salad guy, I never got hit with celery or lettuce or anything, Romania. but thank God that was celery. There could have, could have been marrow bones that, that uh, right. they were hit over the head with. <laughs> so what got you to... Uh, so? You were in some good kitchens in Detroit, and let's talk about what brought you to Portland, how you got here, and I definitely want to talk about your impressions. You've been here for a long time since, and of course, uh, the last couple of years, what's changed? Yeah, um, so, so so really easily what what got me to, to leave Michigan, you know, I, I had a really amazing group of friends that I, I definitely, you know, wasn't considering leaving, and I didn't really know that it was going to be a long-term thing. Um, I just knew that I wanted adventure, and I, I knew that, you know, what was happening in Detroit in, in about, you know, from the 2008 economic downturn, um, it was 2010 when I actually made the move, but, um, you know, it was 
it was pretty stagnant in that city at the time. Um, made an amazing comeback uh, since, but uh, I knew that I had to to, to make a move to uh, so I, you know I, I could do the best for myself in my career. Um, so one night we were actually sitting around a campfire and. Uh, I looked around at my friends and, and, you know, it was just kind of the quiet part of the night. And uh, I was like, I think I'm going to move to Oregon. And they all looked at me like, yeah, okay, like, <laughs> when? And I told them, I was like, you know, I think, I think I'm going to go in two weeks. And, uh, and, and I did. And where did that come from? What did you know about Oregon? I don't mean to interrupt you, but I'm curious where that came from. Yeah, so I had, I had a buddy that I grew up with and that I grew up cooking with, too. Uh, he had moved out here a year before, and he just kept on telling me how amazing it was and, and how great the farms were and, and just the restaurant scene here was so, so uh, it was amazing, especially around that time, too. I mean, there was, there was some big Oh, that's when it was really taken, taken hold, yeah, 2009. Right around then yeah yeah so uh so you know i i knew that he was out here having a blast and uh i couldn't let him have all the fun so uh, yeah i called him up the <laughs> next day and i was like what do you think about this and he's like yeah man and so i i got tickets uh to take the train out here which was a great adventure uh you know to, to start this whole journey um what a way to see the country you know just it's, it's, uh, so did you get beauty. to see the sunset did you get to see the sunset in glacier because i took the train all the yes. way across the country from connecticut yes and i did it solely so i could sit in that car and see the sunset in glacier and it that train was three hours late and we never got to see it so oh, yeah no. that's a good way to see it man yeah it is yeah, yeah. and so. they take you up that I, you know I, they might have to too but they take you up so slowly it seems like they're going like you know 10 miles an hour um but you know i was in the observation car the entire time and just looking around with yep. awe. It, it was that's a really cool way to travel i wish people had more time you know we're, we're so busy that you know a a, a plane you know, is is so much faster, but the the coolest way to travel is by train. Well, I view it as people need to moderate. So yes, you can fly by train, but that's a plane. But that's why I took the train across the country. Mm -hmm. And you got to do those things. You yeah, listen. You only live once, as far as I know. My my impression, or at least right. we're only going to be in Oregon once. Um, so uh, yeah, no, you got to do those things. So good for you. And so adventure was in your bloodstream and we'll get to that in a minute too we got some other things to talk about in terms yeah. of your thirst for adventure <laughs> um so that must have been that was really cool and it's a really awesome way to welcome yourself to oregon for the first time i would imagine when you're coming in on the gorge on that train right yeah and it was, I, I, I hadn't been here before, you know, uh, I did a bunch of research on the computer in those two weeks, but uh, yeah, to see the gorge and, and just see how massive it is and, and, and also talk to people too, because a lot of people that were on the train with me, um, you know, of all ages of, of you know, uh, of every ilk, uh, it was really cool to, to hear their take on where I was going had I not been here before, you know, so um yeah, it was that was a really good welcome. Everyone was so nice and and charming and uh yeah, that that was pretty special. <laughs> I chronicled the whole trip on Facebook and it comes up every June. It's, nice. I had a pretty crazy that was a pretty crazy. I can't say I would say there were some really nice people, but there was some crazy shit going on on, on the train. train. So, um <laughs> yeah, just some really Really weird stuff, and we ran across fires and just really weird stuff along the way. It was pretty interesting, but 
Uh, so you got to Oregon in what, 2009 or 10? 2010, summer of, yeah. And then where did you start? Where was your first job? So within four days, um, so I only I moved out here with a backpack, like a thousand bucks. Um, <coughs> yeah, no, like it was just like, all right, let's see if this if this sticks. Um, but uh, yeah, within four days, I got a job at the most important uh, restaurant probably in my career, um, especially for the time too, because I needed to get a job because I was burning cash like I had a bunch. Um, but I, I uh, <laughs> applied at Gruner um, with uh, Chris Israel, and uh, and yeah, I got the got the job right on the spot. Um, you know, did a stage and uh, and then yeah, started working on day five of being here in Oregon, uh, and that was that How was. How long were you special. there? Uh, for just over two years, um, and we were James Beard finalists um, both of those years. Uh, yeah, that was that was such a special place. Everyone that worked there was that it was just on top of their game and and really cared about you know the just putting out the the coolest and and most beautiful and and tasty food uh and chris israel was such a genius uh yeah it was really really fun to work for for someone that had such a an eye for detail he would walk through the restaurant in the morning with uh a paintbrush and an open can of paint and touch up like the tiniest little like chips on the walls like i mean that's the level of detail that he and you know just the walls he cared about it was it was crazy like mm-hmm. so you can imagine how good as food was oh i don't have to imagine it i know i was there nice. quite a few times and i'm just curious do you, i think i don't remember the exact year you don't remember doing a dinner when we did a portland food adventures dinner at gruner do you you know we did a we, bunch i think was you may have been gone at that point the, the big table back there uh no we took over the whole restaurant oh well then i might have been gone then Oh, that's fun! You that's that's amazing. Yeah, I think you were. I think it was thirteen or fourteen. We actually, it was pretty cool. We started in Cask, right? So yeah. the bar, we everybody met there, and we had a welcome cocktail. And Chris came and did his his thing there, and introduced him. So I introduced him, and he talked about it. And then we took over the whole restaurant. So it was pretty cool. Some I got to get back to doing events, man. That's been I think about things like that, and they were really awesome and that's probably something you experienced in oregon that you did not in michigan when you got here there were collaborations and um you know chris was beloved by a lot of people oh yeah and uh, and people were always yeah you got to see a lot of love yeah it was it was a really special time and i'm glad that we still have that camaraderie like i you know that we are this is a close community you know there's only so many of us uh and uh yeah it's 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 more fun to play with someone than like i don't know, try to trash them you know it's it, it is much like a sport but we're all playing to win well yeah but the one thing that i think ever, no one would argue with and i don't know if it's changed in the last year or two i don't think so is that what makes this food world so unique one of the things and not just the farms and the quality of the 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 product that we get here but is the collaborative spirit and i've always felt there's there was nothing like that in connecticut if you asked uh, someone who owned the pizza place about the other pizza place down the street you might have been led to the door yeah um and here everybody would tell you where to go and where to hang out and so 
I'm sure that was a different experience for you too here. Yeah, yeah. It, there's there's a lot of love here, and it's it's pretty it's pretty cool, and it's it's fun to see too because being here for so long, it's like we see you know different groups of of chefs kind of hit their stride or, or hit the hit the age where it's like all right now it's time for for the new class to come in and i kind of feel like right now especially going through the last couple of years with the pandemic you know there's some there's some um killer mainstays that that are going to be here hopefully as long as we can have them but uh but yeah we're seeing a lot of talent come out and be like all right now it's time for me to show you what i'm doing yeah that's pretty cool i think it's like generation four mm -hmm. since i've been around in 2005 you know gone are the wildwoods and all you know but those spawned more restaurants like country cat and then that spawned more i mean so yeah we're at generation four yeah what I mean, the point where the folks at country cat are now doing vegan food so yeah you know right it's come a long way <laughs> but you know you landed you're right now in what i think is uh working with leaf has got to be one of the true privileges i was just talking speaking with uh, lynette at canyon outfitters so we were out on the we'll get to this we were out on the river together a little over a week ago mm -hmm. with leaf and he is a ray of light man that guy is so positive and i know i'm not always the most positive person so i'm self-conscious with every little <laughs> negative comment i may make that leaf hears but he filters it and he still comes out on the positive side i believe so it must be a real treat for you to uh, have found your way to flying fish uh, we can talk about that and just fill in the blanks for 30 seconds on how you got from Gruner to Plunk Fish. Um, so, yeah, so Gruner, uh, a couple of years there, um, decided I want another adventure. So um, I, I linked up with uh, with my buddy um, Jin Su Yang uh, at uh, Bamboo Sushi. At the time, um, they only had one restaurant in Southeast. Um, I took over the Northwest location when that was built, um, and I was the CDC for that for about seven and a half years. And then, uh, then that's Nana a heavy job, man. That's that's a key restaurant in in Portland at that time. Oh yeah, it certainly was like one of the go-to spots that was always busy. Yeah, yeah, and, and being right on Twenty Third, you know, I, I it was it was fun to try to to try to get uh, you know that that dining culture to to eat all the stuff that I wanted them to. Um, yeah, that was that was pretty special, um, you know. And 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 the people that I got to work with on that leadership team, um, that was that was so so much fun and so much growth. Um, uh, that uh, you know that every, every step forward, um, you know, pushes you um, closer to the goal. And uh, yeah, that's the that was pinnacle um as well and then yeah uh leaf you know i was lucky enough to to buy fish from him when he back when he had his uh little shack on hawthorne um and you know again never thought it would end up being a, a partnership you can't see these things coming um but uh yeah then we we uh we linked up and i, I worked for him for a while at the uh at when when flying fish was at provador uh and then when it was time to build a, a restaurant um i think we both knew it was gonna be me and it was kind of built around you, which is really cool. But I just want to touch on the fact that how cool it is that a kid from Michigan, right, mm -hmm. who probably had never heard of sushi or, or had it um, well, we had until pretty, pretty I don't know when. We had pretty good sushi in Detroit, actually, surprisingly. 
Oh, you did? Yeah, yeah. So you were eating sushi. Okay. All right. Sorry. <laughs> For me, you know, being your age at that time, sushi, you know, didn't come about until way later in life. So, um, but that's pretty cool that you were working with fish in such a special technical way um, and learned your way around it. And that, that kind of led you... Uh, downstream to to leave. yeah yeah and, and he is he's such a positive person it's so funny um you know everyone everyone that either first meets him or that knows him for a long time they're like i don't know where this guy gets all this energy um but he is he's he's a, he's a great ray of light uh and, and so much fun to be around too um yeah we were we were doing this trip with with you and him the last two years has been so fun uh you know some of the better memories i've had and 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 talk about adventure my god yeah well i find you know what i've been trying to do is uh for people to get to know chefs in the most intimate way possible i think get i've always i've said this but once i've been doing these trips for a while to get leaf on the river and watch him fish <laughs> how natural it naturally it comes to him and it's not only that how comfortable he is with the river just diving in at any given spot <laughs> jumping out getting the kayak flip over just whatever he wants to do it's pretty crazy and um yeah no i uh it's it's been a treat it's been a tr and so he you have come along because leaf he cooks a little bit but he doesn't have the the chops that you have and so to be able to take what's caught in the river and be eating it an hour later with your touch is pretty awesome but again leaf um yeah, I, he's been on the podcast like three times, and I don't need to say much. You just, you just wind him. You don't even have to wind him up. He's already wound up, and he just goes. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> he's got a gift. So he's got a gift, and has he let you have – I assume you've had pretty much free reign from the time you built Flying Fish and put out the menu to do what you want to do and um, – uh, you know, create what you want to create. That's that's all you're doing, or mostly you're yeah, doing. Yeah, yeah. He's definitely uh, given me, um, you know, almost exclusively free reign to do what I want to do. Um, you know, there, there are some things that he was like sure of that he wanted, um, and then it's just like, all right, like how do I want to paint this one? Um, so yeah, it's been it's been really cool. Um, you know, doing all the development for for this project. Uh, and and allowing it, I need uh, to express myself creatively, so um, this is definitely keeping me so engaged. And uh, and then you know getting that feedback from our guests, uh, it's 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 so rewarding and fulfilling, and um, it's it's really fun. Even with our staff, you know, when I'm when we're releasing new dishes, um, just to watch them get excited, it's it's really special and so yeah I've, I've been lucky that he's given me um enough rope yeah and what you've done with that rope even things like the green beans uh i've just like how do you flip out over green beans but i tell everybody they gotta order those when they go to flying yeah. so um uh just so well done and some of the stuff i have to say i have to ask where is this Wait, does this uh, move on the spicier side and the not spicier side? Did you have a lot of experience with spicy food as young, when you were younger? Yeah, yeah. I, I always, you know, that's the, 
That's part of uh, my flavor profile. Uh, you know, I always want a crunch. I, I use, a, you know, a lot of nuts for that. Um, I, I always want a little element of heat in almost everything if it, you know, is applicable. Um, there's got to be a pickle. Um, you know, I put zest on just about everything uh, because I just feel like everything can use a little bit of, a little bit of bright zest. Uh, and so, yeah, I like a like a little heat. But yeah, you, you can definitely tell all, all, you know, all over the menu. You can you could fire a dart at it and. Uh, uh, and hit something with a little bit of heat. <laughs> well, I, there's a couple of things that are just on the just past my uh, zone, but I also know that a lot of people love. That's what they go for. That's what they mm-hmm. like. So, um, but it's there's uh, there's a lot of diversity on that menu. So I it's every time I go, and I have to say the oysters that you brought on this trip that uh, we had the first night. Yeah. I don't know. There's something about oysters that um, often when I eat them, it feels like it's the first oyster I've ever had. Like, holy shit, this is so delicious. And I think it's partly because of my love of the ocean, too. But, um, but yeah, those were, those were fantastic. And you guys are doing some sourcing. I don't know if Leaf... I'm sure Leaf told you because you brought it. But the... Um, the salmon poke that you did, I requested from Leaf, and it was just so incredible. And, you know, I think anybody that's in and has that is in heaven. So um, I appreciate what you do. That's pretty awesome. How is it cooking on the river? So oh God, you, every, every day. day you did a little something. We, Yeah, so four, we were out there, what, four days? So you had something to do every day, and the last night was your dinner. How is it cooking on the river? Does it make the food a little better when you've got such incredible scenery and you're out there with everybody? Oh, yeah. If I could cook outdoors every day, I, I, I would. I mean, it, it's, yeah, especially with that backdrop, too. It's it's so silly how fun that is. Um, and the way that they have it, um, you know, Canyon Outfitters, uh, George and Lynette, they, you know, they've been doing it for so long. Um, and, and their level of hospitality for people that have never, you know, worked in restaurants um, that I know of, uh, you know, they, they really do have a special touch for, for hospitality and, uh, yeah, it's just, I, I can't imagine uh, doing that trip with that, with anyone else just because they, they really care. They put their, their heart and soul into, uh, you know, providing the, the coolest experience and, and you're so catered to, and it honestly doesn't have to be that level, but they do it because they love it. And you can really tell, but they have it so dialed in where they're, you know, they set up a kitchen at every night, um, and, and their, their little kitchen works, you know, we, we cranked out a bunch of food out of that, like what, eight foot by four foot table. Um, you know, and, and, and they're so fun too with the, with all their custom uh, stuff that they have. Uh, I really like it's like you know if if you can't find what you want, have it made, and that's kind of what they uh, they figured out uh, through this experience over the last forty something years, and uh, it's pretty cool. Well, what's interesting is I was just talking to Lynette this morning actually, and she said. The number of people who say they're vegetarian and so they go out of their way to make vegetarian uh, dishes for those people, for their dietary concerns or whatever it may be, who smell the fried chicken on the first <laughs> night and then decide not to be vegetarian right. is, uh, is incredible. So 
unfortunately, you're talking about all this and, and wetting people's appetite for this trip, but it's not going to be the same without George and Lynette after this no. year. So this was, we are very fortunate, Eric, that we got two years in under, um, under the guise of George and Lynette. Is it the word guys? I don't know, but <laughs> under the... Uh, what they do uh, out on the river that's fortunate we don't know what's going to happen in the future uh, but I'm going to say for the people whose appetite you're, you whetted by just saying that we may do a trip to Australia so anybody's welcome to contact me to have their hospitality in Australia we don't have that yet but we can put you on a waiting list for sure um, but as far as uh, the Snake River, that is just a beautiful experience, and I'm glad we had the opportunity to do it. And why is it that this year you and I had occasion to hang out and talk, but for some reason last year we we didn't very much that I remember. Yeah, I, it so, didn't. Uh, honestly, it felt like we. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad we, we did. To, I think that the group this year was so fun too. Um, not that last year's wasn't, but man, we we all got pretty close, uh, pretty quickly. You know, for for on the fourth night, everyone's singing around the dinner table. Uh, you know, with guitars uh, leading us, that was pretty cool. And ukuleles. Yeah, yeah that was really special. Ukuleles. Well, I I got to give some credit. Everybody was great. It was a wonderful group. I really, of all the groups we've taken out there. I think it was the best, but I got to give some credit to uh, James and Amanda and also Cinda with her ukulele. I think that helped bring everybody together too. But James, I think on the first night when we did the little circle and everybody talked about their stories, I think that lightened, that immediately set the tone for what this yeah, trip was Yeah, what an be. icebreaker. So, he is hilarious. Cool. Yeah, what? That was perfect. <laughs> yeah, let everyone know. Hey, it's all right. <laughs> let us know who you are. And then... And then to have Amanda leading yoga on that hot morning in the sun was, was pretty amazing, too, to watch that. And then watching Leaf be led with yoga was, was awesome as well. I had to stop and take pictures once in a while. Yeah. So um, it, it, was, it was pretty cool to observe that. But anyway, this is anecdotal for people listening. They weren't there. But, um, but a special experience. And I, I guess the segue for that is you've moved to Oregon and you got that is an incredible Oregon experience. I mean, I was talking with you earlier about plate and pitchfork mm -hmm. dinners. Um, those are great out in the farms to learn about Oregon, but to be on the Snake River off the grid, by the way, that must have been interesting for someone who has such responsibility in a kitchen, but off the grid what for four days uh, in a the breath of fresh air. Yeah. <laughs> a breath of breath, <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I know. Well, speaking of fresh air, you can't do any better than that. And some of those dining tables we set up with backdrops of the canyon walls and everything, it's just, just incredible. So everybody's got to get out and explore. Have you had the opportunity? Um, I know Leaf is very attached to the Oregon coast. Do you get to experience some of that with him as um, well? Yeah, yeah. We, we've, uh, as a company, we've taken a couple trips out there. Um, we, you know, we, we've, we've tried to do a couple deep sea fishing adventures, um, but but the the coast will uh, tell you when you're allowed to be out there uh so you know it's just been pretty rough so instead we've we've done crabbing which is is such an Oregon experience too um you know pull a bunch of crabs up and and eat them uh 
Yeah, that that's uh, I, I love it out there. Um, one of my favorite places to adventure inland, uh, Olali Lake. That's uh, it's about six thousand feet elevation, right next to Mount Jefferson, and uh, that's that's a good adventure too. Um, and you kind of need the vehicle to to be able to get back because it's it's lo- like old logging roads that are pretty rocky, uh, but yeah, picturesque. There's so much to explore. The uh, Wallawa, you know, mountains yeah. where we were is just incredible. Um, that, I, I had lived here for quite a few years and nobody ever told me to go out there. And then I made my way out there and thought, man, this is just like insane that there, there's so much more beauty over and above that. Pausing just a moment here, Chris, to talk about one of our favorite places to eat here in Portland, an institution, a Portland institution, Ringside Steakhouse. And get excited because now Ringside is open seven days a week, so you can join them for indoor and heated patio dining any day of the week. The hours are Monday through Thursday, 5 to 9, Friday, 4.30 to 9.30, Saturday, 4 to 9.30, and Sunday, 4 to 9. So everything's close to the same, but go on Ringside's website to check out the updated hours and, of course, uh, see about their prime rib three-course $48 special that is moving back to its historic Monday. Yeah, that's really great. That's one of my favorite things to get at Ringside Steakhouse. So uh, you can put that back on the agenda for a Monday night. And prime ribeyes by the case are back at Ringside. Ringside signature steaks are for sale on the website right now. Uh, They're available for pickup on Saturday, June 18th, which is Father's Day weekend. Don't forget that. Mother's other people and fathers. And Chris, we should also point this out. Not only can you get their great steaks, but if you love the way Ringside seasons their steaks, you can actually pick up the Ringside Signature House seasoning as part of this. So do that as well. I have some Ringside Steak Salt that I had from a a pack of beautiful food that I served at a party at my house uh, not long ago. And that Ringside Salt, the the steak salt that they provided is going to last me for a couple of years. I assume it's going to be good for that long very nice great you can put it on steaks chops chicken and your vegetables why not so make those reservations on the website check out the hours on the website ringsidesteakhouse.com you mentioned before that you well you talked about goals and journeys where would you like to go next? What's your, uh, you know, you've, you've accomplished a lot where you are. I'm not saying that you don't want to just continue doing what you're doing, but let's talk a little bit about your goals for the long term. How old are you, by the way? We're 26? <laughs> I wish. I'm coming up on, uh, coming up on 38, <laughs> 39. Ugh. Yeah, coming up on 39 this year. Oh, the, I love that year. That, those are good years, man. The 40s are awesome. So you got a lot of great things in front of you. And as you mentioned before, you can't see necessarily what's in front right. of you, right? Because shit Yeah, it, you know, every time I try to plan anything, there's always some some fun thing that just happens and it's like, well, I didn't see that coming, but I, you know, you got to go with the flow. So, so yeah, if uh, I like to not have to plan uh, you know, the next move, even though I do think about, you know, the next move all the time. Um, yeah, it, it's kind of a lot of uh, wasted energy sometimes when it's just like, if you just go with the flow and, and, and see what, uh, what you can kind of get yourself into. Um, yeah. 
I mean, obviously, super happy um, being with Flying Fish right now. Uh, you know, we've got to basically handpick every single person on our team through the last couple of years because of the pandemic. And so we've really built something special. Can, can you do that? Is it is it a challenge to do that? Because, you know, it's no secret that it's hard to find good it people. It is, now. but I think that, you know, if if what you're offering is is genuine and uh, and you know, you're providing a an environment where people can can grow and, and learn and push themselves, um, as well as just come come and hang out with, you know, a, a bunch of your, you know, best friends and cook with them all day long. Uh, yeah, I think the the environment that you curate is if it's special enough, and uh, and you know what you're offering people is 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 special too. Um, you know, w- we do a little bit of uh, what we call restaurant socialism. So you know, our, our tip share is really important to to being able to keep really good uh, talent in our kitchen as well as our front of house. But uh, it's you know everyone gets an equal share. Every every single person on the team gets an equal share of the tips, and I think that structure has led us to be able to find and keep uh, more talent, uh, at least in the kitchen, uh, because they're they're doing well. You know, people are getting paid a living wage. And uh, we've actually just uh, been able to offer uh, healthcare to every single person that works there as well, uh, and it's really good healthcare. I mean, this is, you know, it's not, it's not just like here. This is what we we have for you. This these are you know gold and, and platinum plans, and that's really exciting. Uh, you know, because that's not something that's common, even nowadays. I mean, a lot of people are, are trying trying to do it, and only a few you know restaurants in town are, are doing it well. So that's. That's something that's like, you know, this is a real industry and, um, you know, people, this is, this is some of our lives. Like I want to do this for the rest of my life and in, in some way, shape or form, um, you know, if I could do it outside, (laughs) that would be, uh, that'd be, that'd be even better. Uh, but, but yeah, it's, you know, this is, this is a real, a real job and and I don't, uh, you know, I don't want people to look, look down on us like we're, you know, the, the, the help we're providing service we're 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 giving you hospitality and uh you know and and because we we enjoy it because we're good at it not everyone can can offer that and uh so that's pretty special that's why why i love it i i have said this before before you just triggered me to say it but i wasn't you know, coming off the pandemic and even before that, fast casual was not always my favorite mm-hmm. experience. But I remember with the first time I went into Flying Fish, not the first, because that was right before the pandemic, right? That was when you guys were first trying to f- get getting mm-hmm. your footing. But after that, when I went in, I said, these guys have this dialed in. This is a good, this is a great experience where you order before you sit down or, and then have everything taken care of. It was, it was a really nice experience. And on top of that, the food is so great and you're sitting outside. It's, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing. I would imagine to touch on what you were talking about before when I said it's challenging to find people, I would just know that word gets around it's a pretty small industry where the cool places to work are and where they oh, yeah. aren't 
and so that must make it yeah so if if you're genuine um and i've i've heard so many people say you know we hire the best people we're really we do this we do that but there's only some that are really genuine about it and that is what gets around what what the actual shit happening in the kitchen and the environment is like versus what someone who owns it totally and and you could could ask um, any industry insider you know that's that's how i heard about um gruner i you know i didn't know what the best restaurants in town were when i got here and i asked a few of my buddies that were you know high level chefs and they they wrote me a list of like five places this is all you need to know here's the five and uh and you know i i would hope that you know we're on anybody else's you know list of five uh because yeah it's you know people there's no better person to ask than the people that work there you know it's like what do you guys think yeah i would think so so speaking of list of five this is putting you a little on the spot too you don't have to come up with five but do you have a few uh you know we talked about the collaborative spirit in portland and how people suggest places do you have a few of your favorite places where either your good buddies work or that you enjoy particularly places to go to eat that you would recommend to friends coming into town the first time give you give them the place yeah definitely i would say um you know top of top of my list um long that's a very special meal uh and we i I had a standing reservation there for for a while um so we were going every month and uh you know things got kind of busy in the restaurants so uh we had to drop that but uh god what a what a special experience that is uh you know i I believe it was a 12 course tasting menu at the time um and yeah, it just progressively takes you up um, from from low heat to high heat. But by the time you get to the end, it's pretty hot. But you've you know rode that roller coaster with them, so it's it's not um, unbearable. Um, I've went with friends that can't handle any heat, and it's just it's they, the way they do that is pretty special. Um, Kachka is always a, a favorite with me. I too. agree. I agree. Yeah, Kachka is fantastic as well. Um, you got any? You got any sleepers that people may not know about? Yeah. Those are like right at the top of so everybody's I, list. So I, I'm obsessed. I, I live in the Northwest uh, here in Portland, and uh, there's mm-hmm. uh, a, a little place right on 21st Street called Top Burmese. Oh my God, it's so good! Like their their salads are are fantastic. Like it's super hard to eat there without getting some of their salads. Um, yeah, everything everything that they offer is is stupendous, and and that is a family owned place. And you can you can tell that they're also hospitality driven. Um, the sweetest people, and and it's it's such a such a good little spot to sit outside, and and you know the little the little uh, street side. Uh, situation that they've built out there is is adorable too um i've re- that's one of my favorite places to eat just on like a an any day of the- i probably eat there once a week oh fantastic that's a good suggestion anything else in northwest that's where i first fell in love with uh portland that uh, used to be moo oh yeah well that was my first meal in or in portland but that's shut now I it think, is right? yeah it's hopefully something will, will enter that space um because yeah it's it's a it's a cool spot and it's the location's really really um like central for northwest too so hopefully someone takes that over and puts something neat in there um what else what else in northwest one Let's more see well now that um so long is in the um 
Atala space now, which I haven't um, uh, visited right. yet. But that's that's uh, going to be going to be something that we definitely want to visit. Um, Oh, shoot, I can't really think of anything else that's catching me. Oh, that's all right. I didn't mean to put you on the spot, <laughs> my friend. I can, we, we, can, we can cut it right there. But um, I appreciate it. One other thing. So what is it going on right now at Flying Fish that people have to order when they come in? What are you going to tell them is going to be? Uh, you're proud of everything, I know, but what are they two or three things so have uh, we just put on some uh shrimp kebabs they're these massive uh freshwater shrimp uh a bunch of summer vegetables over a tomato salad uh with some lebna a little bit of olive oil uh it's there i mean that's a, a, a easy summer win um but yeah the the texture of those those shrimp are just amazing picked up on the grill um and then their juice is kind of um, lay over into that uh, tomato salad underneath and uh, uh, yeah that's a, that's a killer dish I really love it it just screams summer um, and then I really so we have a, a jampong a Korean noodle soup um, that is really fun too in the summertime uh, I, I really like to eat like a spicy soup on a hot day you know gets you to sweat and honestly it just makes me feel uh, yeah I mean it, it, it's it's counterintuitive but uh, you know, I, I can eat pho every day in the summer, and uh, this soup kind of hits that little spicy seafood uh, spot that everyone should have. Well, those are good suggestions, but anything on that menu is is very awesome. And your fish and chips are thank great, you, too, you. which I'm sure is the staple, right? That's the that's the base that almost... Oh, yeah. I mean, order, it's pe I people crush the fish and so. chips, but our menu is so playful and so fun to eat around if you, you know, if you want some uh, a little adventure. It's it's so fun, especially, you know, to, to sit down at a table and order a bunch of things and share because uh, everything is qu is quite shareable, too, and, and get all those colors on those beautiful picnic tables. And yeah, it's it's a it's a pretty look when all that food drops. And let's not forget there is a market there. For people who don't know, there's a fish market. So shopping for a fish to prepare at home yourself, it's all there and it's the it's really fresh. There's nothing that yeah, isn't awesome. Yeah, our oysters, our oyster market. selection so, is, is um, outstanding as well. You know, most of the the bounty from the oysters comes from the Pacific Northwest, but we do uh, a lot of Northern Atlantic Canada and and Maine as well. And those are pretty special to me. Um, you know, growing up over on that side of things. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's nice to, to be able to taste uh, what we have to offer here. That is awesome. I would also say that people should get to Flying Fish PDX and look up whatever you have, but also the trips. There are various trips options uh, beyond Snake River that are generally available there. And if they aren't now, they will be you know, next spring to prepare for the the summer as well so eric thank, thank you, you so much i really appreciate it i know you're busy i kind of nagged you to put this to put this together we're last minute for those of you listening who are regular right at the fork listeners we release our podcast on friday and we're now finishing this up on friday at 10 58 a.m for release today so we'll thank court for putting that together from here on in and putting it out there and i thank you for taking the time and for your friendship man that was really fun out there it was a lot of fun people and i really enjoyed hanging out with you that was cool 
Yeah, I'd love to do any adventure you're, you're throwing. It's always fun. I'd really like to get on that Australia trip. Uh, you know, <laughs> just putting it out there. We'll have to think about how uh, how I could. How, what, how long do you think that trip will be? Actually, we just we're just talked. I shouldn't even be talking about it. It was just discussed yeah. this morning. <laughs> it would be it would be about ten days, and it's Ooh, yeah. there's a possibility. I'd love to rope in Nolan from Proud Mary because we did a trip to Melbourne there. Yeah. So I'd like to do a kind of city country thing in Australia, and then it might become more like two weeks but we don't know yet and i haven't even discussed this with nolan all i know is after we did one trip with nolan he said he'd be interested in doing another uh but the coffee the breakfast and brunch thing in melbourne is insane and uh if you like proud mary which anybody couldn't not like that place uh we go to all of nolan's favorite places there too but what we're talking about is a western australia that involves helicopters and boats and all that Shh. stuff uh that's what um that's what lynette mentioned this morning that's as far as we are on it but that's how these things I love it. you know that's how these things grow you start from a little seed of an idea and go exactly so, or you start you start from a little fish and it spawns, and then you go from there, and then you and then you have bigger fish, and then then you can actually fry them. So, all right, man, thanks so much. Have a good uh, w have a good cool week in the kitchen. Yeah, we'll try to stay stay uh, cool in there. Thanks, Chris. All I really right. appreciate you having me on here. Oh, all our pleasure. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. So it's, by the way, the Instagrams are Flying Fish, P, are Flying Fish PDX. Is that right? And yours, yeah. do you want to share your personal one or do you not? No, I'm boring. I don't social media that well. <laughs> no, you're not, you're not boring, but that's, yeah, I just want to know whether that was the purpose. But you can find, you, find your Flying Fish in all the good spots. And we haven't mentioned it. It's East Burnside right after... Uh, right after Padi, as you're going up the hill into Laurelhurst. That would be where you find flying fish. Right on the right side there. You can't miss it. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Right